Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I am Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief here at Modern Retail. This week, I'm really excited. We have Justin Gold. He is the chief innovation and strategy officer at Rudy's Bakery, but also a founder of another company. These are two companies that I actually know very well and grew up with. For those who haven't seen Justin's peanut butter, it's a peanut butter that I use probably every day. And then Rudy's Bakery is something that I grew up selling as a kid when I worked at a natural foods uh, grocery store. And so when I, I was doing research, I was like, oh, I know this company. This was very ubiquitous to me. So I'm super stoked to just talk about who Justin is. This, he's relatively new in this role, I think. Um, we'll talk about what, what what this role entails at Rudy's, what the expansion plans are, all that jazz. But Justin, how are you doing? Thanks so much for joining. Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm having a great day. It feels good to be back at work, you know, solving problems. Absolutely. So first, let's let's start at the beginning because you are the founder of of another like pretty well known CPG company. Want to give just a little bit of background about who you are, how you got into food? I guess. Yeah. No, it's been such a a, a blessing and such a, a lucky ride. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. I uh, gosh was studying to become a lawyer at a small liberal arts college. My senior year, I interned at a law firm and um, was preparing for the LSATs. And it was the best internship I ever had because I realized that I did not want to be a lawyer for a career. <laughs> and that's those are the best ones uh, that tell you what not to do. Was, sometimes you just don't know, you know? And so so anyway, I graduated with a degree in environmental studies and, um, and health and wellness has always been really important to me. And I moved to the Bay Area, was waiting tables. And then I was kind of lost and I was like, all right, I need to go back to college and I need to get a graduate degree or I need more education. So I, let's move to the mountains because that's where my heart is. And let's go to Boulder because that's where a university is and let's get residency. And so I'm living in Boulder and I'm waiting tables and I, um, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian and I'm extremely active. I'm running, biking, hiking, skiing, climbing, you name it. And uh, I was eating a ton of peanut butter and almond butter for protein. And at the time, I was just really curious why there wasn't much variety in peanut butter or almond butter or any other nut butters. And there's no variety in peanut butter. It was smooth or crunchy. And there was one brand of almond butter and it didn't taste very good. And you could grind your own in the store, as I'm sure maybe you could at your store. So, you know, like, how hard can it be to make nut butter? And so I got a food processor, started making my own. And, you know, I would add anything from honey to salt to cayenne pepper to chocolate and mix it with other nuts like cashews or pistachios and and add coconut or, you know, just all these concoctions. And I'd put them in the cupboard, put them in the fridge. I'd slap numbers on them. And then my roommates started to steal them and eat them. So I had to start putting my name on everything, Justin's. <laughs> and then someone has the idea like, hey, these are really great. Have you ever thought about the farmer's market? And I was like, wow, you know what? Like, I have thought about it, but you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you make a label and develop a UPC and find a commercial kitchen? And you know, I didn't know anything about that. And but what I do did know how to do was ask questions. And I'm going to bring you full circle, maybe sooner than you expected. But one of the first companies I went to to kind of gain mentorship on how to develop a natural foods company was Rudy's Organic Bakery. <laughs> and Rudy's has been here since 1976. And they're kind of one of the OGs in the you know, natural food space. And in Boulder, we're so blessed to have White Wave, Celestial Seasonings, Horizon Organic Dairy, and Rudy's. And so I went to Rudy's and I went to Jane Miller, the CEO. I, I didn't just go straight to Jane. I earned my way up to Jane. And I had lots of questions. And Rudy's was, the organization was a mentor to my organization on how to go to market and how to find film suppliers and how to do all these things. 
And so then Justin started the farmer's market and I, st- I went to stores and then I had, on a, I was on a mountain bike ride and I had the idea of putting nut butters into a squeeze pack as like a, an energy food per se to take with you on the go. And then that was a great innovation for the category that really awoken to sleeping, you know, kind of quiet category. And then almond butter was really taken off and we were early with almond butters and all these varieties of almond butters and early on squeeze packs. And then we were one of the early companies to develop a organic, you know, chocolate peanut butter cup, you know, like something like, you know, you grow up on a Reese's, but then you go to a natural food store and you're like, where's my peanut butter cup? And so, you know, we created one that was really good and it resonated with a lot of consumers and it just went on this wild ride and it got to a point where there were a few, you know, large food organizations that um, that really wanted us to be to join them, to be a part of their organization. And at that time, I had a lot of investors, both angel and, and institutional, and I had a fiduciary responsibility to offer them a great return. And I was very selective on who we worked with. I found Hormel Foods who gave me the opportunity to continue to work with the organization. I stayed on for five years to make sure it was stewarded in the, in the right way. And the organization stayed in Boulder and everyone stayed intact. And then during COVID, my role changed and I was no longer needed at the organization, which was kind of a blessing and a curse. You know, I didn't, I didn't have <laughs> a, an exit strategy. And, um, and so I, I, I took my young family and we, we traveled for a year and lived abroad. And when I came back, you know, Rudy's, bakery, Jane Miller, who was part of Rudy's and then Rudy's was acquired by Haynes Celestial. And then, I don't know, seven or eight years later, they spun it out and Jane comes back to run Rudy's. And she's like, Justin, I'm back at Rudy's and I think I, I, I need your help. And so, and, and so Jane and I reconnected and Jane, who was the former CEO of Rudy's Organic Bakery, when it was acquired, she left, she ran a few other companies. And then, um, when, when Rudy's was spun out, it was bought by a group out of London and they didn't, really didn't know much about the business. And so they brought her back to kind of help steer the organization in a new direction. And when they brought her back, you know, she, um, she called me and Jane was on the board of Justin's. And so Jane and I have a really longstanding relationship of working together. And so when she called, when she calls you answer, you know, I answer the phone and, um, and she's like, hey, I, I'm back at Rudy's and I have some great ideas and could really use your help. And we started talking and it was something I really couldn't refuse. It was just too much fun. Wow. A much more full circle story than I expected it to be, to be completely honest. The sort of tying bind that I saw between your two companies, and you kind of said this in early on, but that you're both kind of OGs in the space and we're sort of way ahead of whatever the curve was. Like natural nut butter, I feel like is much more of a commonplace now than it was a few years, you know, a few years ago. And, and same with gluten-free baking, uh, like... I remember in the early 2000s when I was working, there were very, very few options. And the reason why I remember Rudy specifically is because the gluten-free people at this co-op I worked at were like, that's the only good one. I have this very distinct memory of being like a 15-year-old and someone telling me that. And so it's really interesting that now you're sort of much more in in the zeitgeist of of the food space. But I wanted to get into, you gave a really interesting sort of quick truncated history of, of Rudy's ownership over the last few years. It's 40 years old. How did it start? What was the overall beginning story of it? And then can you just talk a little about what you mentioned, how there have been some different strategic turns and switches? What have those been over the years? Yeah. So I want to make one clear distinction that 
Justin's and, and, and me and, and our organization, we're almost like a, a 2.0. Rudy's is the OG. You know, Justin's was yeah. started in, in 2004-ish, 2004-2006, you could argue. And these guys started in 1976, right? And so they're started by, by a guy named Sheldon. And Sheldon was um, living, I think, in a monastery with a bunch of his friends. And, and there really weren't any great organic um, bakery options at that time. So Rudy started as a, as a bakery and they did a lot of, you know, handhelds from, from croissants to specialty breads to muffins. And then they realized that it was much easier to make one thing and a lot of them and sell them to stores. And so early on, you know, they started selling organic bread to a lot of the grocery stores out here and they had their own routes and their own trucks and they were delivering to all these stores and they were wanting the original. And so, and so the, the way that this organic bakery was set up is they bake everything fresh and then they deliver it to stores and then to grow their and grow and expand. What they would do is they would, they would bake everything fresh and they did flash freeze it. And once it's frozen, they would ship it frozen across the country to other stores and then that grocery store would then bring it out and slack it to room temperature to the shelf and put it in the bakery section. And honestly, freezing is nature's you know best preservative. And so you can take a fresh fresh loaf of bread and freeze it, flash freeze it, and then thaw it, and it tastes honestly fresh. Now, clearly, there's nothing better than a warm you know loaf of bread right out of the oven. But this was this is how you could grow national distribution early on, and that's what these guys did. They they were the the first nationally distributed organic bread through UNFI and in Tree of Life, and then Kahi, and you know all those great places. And then what happened was um, a, another brand called this is you know maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago, Dave's Killer came out. And um, oh, I know Dave's Killer, and they did an incredible job with seeded breads. And organic breads at that, and they were acquired, and and the acquiring company had such a great distribution network, DSD Direct Store Delivery Distribution Network, that you know during COVID, what really exposed this was it was really hard to have in-store labor take a frozen product, slack it to fresh, you know, and manage that process when you have a a, like a, a vendor who could just go into your store with fresh bread. Frozen or not frozen, who knows? And just stock their own shelves for you with their own distribution, take away your labor. And so, you know, companies that had their own routes and their own DSD really did well during this uh, the, the COVID cycle. And Rudy's lost a ton of distribution because they weren't able to do that. Here locally, we have our own routes. And so we're able to, to maintain a lot, of, a lot of our distribution. But nationally, we weren't. And then the company that that had had owned Rudy's, you know, for the past fifteen years, wasn't investing in the business. They weren't. You know, they, they have so many brands. Hain Celestial has so many brands that they just weren't able to to give every brand the individual attention that it needs and deserves. And so they just, honestly, you know, divested it and and sold it off. And um, and the new company that bought it, you know. To their credit, they, they they saw an opportunity. They just didn't know where the opportunity was yet. And so when Jane came back, she um, she saw a clear opportunity, which I think is really phenomenal. So we have a bakery asset here in Boulder, Colorado. There aren't many companies left that still manufacture in Boulder. And, and the idea is, well, if we can't continue to grow 
by creating more bread products to put in the bakery set, where else in the store does this organization have a right to be, an opportunity, right, to for a brand line extension? And so Jane and I are talking on the phone. She's like, Justin, we have our own bakery. And, you know, there's some easy things I would love to do that I think would really be fun. One of them being Texas toast. We can make really thick slices of organic bread here, really thick slices of gluten-free sourdough bread and, sl- and slather it in butter and cheese and garlic and whatever else and really make an incredible product. And, and I was like, wow, you know, and, and then we can take that product, freeze it, put it in a different part of the store, right, the frozen set and have a value add bread company that we can create here with our bakery asset. And I was like, Jane, that's a really great idea. You know, like, what else are you thinking? She's like, well, breakfast sandwiches, right? You know, when I go and buy a a Jimmy, whatever, a a breakfast sandwich, we don't want to get too in the weeds. But kind of like the missing link is the bread. The sausage is always good, but the bread is what encapsulates it, holds it together. And we can do better. And so we we made these incredible gluten-free brioche buns and these incredible English muffins. And we use a real egg frittata and we make this this really good uh, breakfast sandwich. But Justin, the big idea, what I really want to do, and I know that after Justin's, you were working on this, was I really want to do a peanut butter and jelly pressed, you know, pocket sandwich. And I was, and I was like, oh, you mean like a better for you Uncrustables? I'm like, yeah, I've been working on that for years. The hardest part, Jane, is the bread. If you can't get the bread right, you have to have the right cell density. You have to have the right structure, the right size. It has to really like crimp and hold together. It has to freeze and thaw perfectly, you know, and I'm like, organic's really hard. She's like, Justin, we have a bakery. We have, a, we have labs. We have scientists. We have technicians. Like, let's work on this. And so that got me really exciting, really excited to, to solve, you know, I, I really feel like a, a need in the marketplace. Because when I go out, you know, I, I created the squeeze pack of nut butter for mountain biking, for skiing, for running, for protein. And, you know, and after a while, you have so many energy bars. Honestly, what you really crave when you're on a long bike ride is real food. And all I really want is a damn good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so if we could create something with organic bread, I want something that has 50% or more less sugar, and I want it to have more protein, you know, that would be a big win. And so Jane and I spent all summer working on it, and we nailed it. We came up with a really incredible, you know, peanut butter and jelly experience. And then I found this really great brand called Voyage. And I've been working on a peanut, I've been trying to create a peanut-free spread forever, and then I finally, and then I found one out of Berkeley, a, a startup that has this, it's incredible. It's a, uh, it's a chickpea, uh, sunflower seed, wild rice blend that really has the mouthfeel texture, aroma, and taste of peanut butter, but it's peanut free. And so we're going to launch a certified peanut free and jelly sandwich that is awesome. And I, I couldn't have made it better. So I was really happy to find someone who is to partner with there. Well, you're actually Voyage uh, Voyage Foods alums of the Modern Retail Podcast from a few years ago. <laughs> oh, good. Adam's a good dude. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so there's a lot I want to dig into, but when I want to just, you sort of, in, in your explanation of your brainstorming process, I have a general idea of what you're doing. But So is your mandate and your g- general job right now at Rudy's just coming up with all of these, these, new, these new product ideas and expansions? Is that, is that what, what you're focused on predominantly? Yeah. So I'd say 
the first thing we need to do is we need to, to bring the brand back to its glory, right? This is this is an OG organic bakery here in, in Boulder, and we want to we want to bring it back to its glory. And so the best way to do that is to first create some products that really resonate with a modern consumer. And so we have a bakery asset. So where do we have a right to win? It's wherever there's bread. So let's create some products that are exciting, that are a little different, that aren't already in the marketplace in a natural organic um, variety. Let's start there. And then hopefully what will happen is the idea, Kyle, is if someone's going to the freezer and buying Texas toast and having a great experience or a, a sando, we're calling it peanut butter jelly sandwich, sandos, having a great experience. They're like, wow, this bread is really good. Oh, look, here it is over here in the bakery. And let's create a halo effect for the brand, right? And then the idea is to bring this brand back to its glory because it's it's so important to me to see this brand shine. And so and so my, my job is to focus on the strategy. So where... Where does this brand have have the right to win, right? Where what other categories can we go into? And then what is the strategy as far as other partners we can work with? You know, is is the brand still communicating and messaging to our current consumer correctly? Ha, is our consumer the same person? Has that person changed and evolved? And are we changing and evolving to meet their needs where they are? And those are all questions that we're working on now. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back couple of follow-ups with that one is with the with this new product line or expansion have you updated your distribution practices or are you still using the the age-old method that you were using before that's a great question so the bakery is the bakery we're, we're going to keep doing what we're doing because we're good at it as far as the uh, the new innovations what we've learned is you only want to freeze bread once so our biggest competitive advantage is we bake bread fresh and then in-house we create a product or we send it somewhere fresh and then they create the product and then we freeze it. So we're working with a fresh product that's then frozen and it just tastes really better. It tastes good. And so, you know, that's that's what we've learned here and, that, and, and really leveraging a, a bakery asset is important. And, and what's interesting is what's really hard Organic baking is not an easy business, which I'm learning. And, and and when you try to go to an organic bakery and develop a new product line, there are MOQs you need to meet. There's formulation challenges that people don't have time to work on. There's line time you have to reserve. And then you have to line that up with, with you know, down the road with maybe you're sending it somewhere else to have them create the, the new product with your bread product. All of this is so hard to line up. But when you have your own bakery and you can make decisions just in time, uh, no pun intended. You know, you can um, you can really like move fast and make a difference, and that's really been a competitive advantage for us. Would you say that you are trying to make a new hero product for Rudy's? Like when I think of Rudy's, I think of the bread, and I think sort of specifically of the gluten free bread because you were you, they were so like so ahead of that curve, you know, for decades. But are you now trying to make it such that when people think of Rudy's? They think of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich or the or the Texas toast. Walk me through that that thought process. Yeah, so I, I think at the end of the day, what we want to do, which is what we've always been doing in the natural food industry, is build our base. And so, and I'll, I'll answer your question. First, we want to build the base, right? So we don't want just a Rudy's consumer to just levitate towards our products. We want consumers 
who are are looking for new products that are natural and organic. We we want to build our base. We want to we want to get new people on who maybe never have tried Texas toast because they've never seen one organic or never seen one better for you or seen one gluten free. And so that's our first goal is just build the natural and organic and gluten free food base. Get more people involved in caring about their health and wellness. I'd say that the, the second thing we're trying to do is create lots of hero opportunities. And honestly, like what's so much fun about, we're, we're running this like a 50-year-old startup, right? We don't know what exactly is going to work. So you just got to start trying things, right? Texas Toast could be a hero and could take off. The, 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 the Sando, you know, the peanut butter jelly, peanut-free Sando could be a hero. That could take off. You know, we're launching, you know, we have other innovations that are kind of on the heels of these ones that could take off. And so we we really, <laughs> we don't know, you know, but, okay. what's, but what's so much fun is we get to, to create, innovate and try things. And when, and if we fail, we fail fast, we learn, we move on, we correct, we pivot. And, and that's, what's really fun about this experience. So I want to, I want to dive in more to that customer and opportunity question, because I think there's like who a brand like Rudy's caters to has changed and expanded specifically over the last few decades. Like I growing up, like a natural food company was a very specific thing that was in a very specific store setting. I would say maybe you can correct me if you disagree with me on this, but I think now there are more people seeking out new types of foods. There are more, you know, often when people think of gluten-free, they they might think it could be in a more mass setting. Like there are gluten-free options in, in my big my regular grocery store but there's also like the higher end like how food startups want to get placement in Erewhon for example so like how do you think where do you think you're focusing on for Rudy's in expanding this customer base is it for everyone are you trying to revamp the brand so that it's not affiliated with you know the the natural food markets of the 90s and early 2000s what are you thinking about in that in that regard yeah you know i think at the end of the day Kyle it really comes down to Whoever wants this, whatever retailer wants this product should have it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, clearly, like, there's a systematic approach to launching a new product, you know? Um, it, it, and it really depends, you know, what what we do internally is we say, okay, who, who wants this now? Who's the hungriest for it? And whoever wants it and gets it first, usually we'll say, look, we'll give you 90 days to get ahead of everyone else. And it really depends on the category review timing. It depends on, you know, the, how competitive the set is. It depends who the buyer is and how much they like it. There's so many things that factor in. But for us to say, hey, we're only going to sell in the mass channel. We're only going to sell in the natural channel. Um, again, like we don't know. Like here's what's so interesting. You know, we're creating a, a conventional type of product, a, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich that's frozen, a Texas toast. And we're doing it in a in a better for you offering. Is there enough of a market of organic consumers, natural consumers, gluten free consumers who are going to want that? I don't know. Are there going to be, you know, people on the sidelines who are who have been waiting for this in a natural and organic you know form factor? Maybe. Are there you know conventional consumers who are just been buying this because there hasn't been anything else to buy that's better for you? Maybe. Like. Yes to all the above is is hopefully the answer, and um, and whoever wants it, you know, will figure it out. You know, we're hoping that that this will have a, a broader mass appeal. You know, I mean, sandwiches. If if I had my dream come true, these sandwiches would be sold at Vail Resorts 
or 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 a ski lodge somewhere, so I can go and do some consumer some some customer you know research, and then go ski for the day and grab a sandwich <laughs> at the at the lodge or something you know at lunch. But I, I think this thing can sell anywhere, and um, and we don't honestly we let our customers tell us what they want. And if it and if they don't want it, we have to ask why. Is it the price point? Is it the case pack? Is it the ingredients? And we have to figure out why and continue to evolve to make sure that we're listening to our customer and, of course, the end consumer. So, so as you're launching these new products, what is your ideal like test? Like, where who are like are you going to be? Are you going to pitch them all and see who takes it? Are you going to be like, no, we're going to try one store here you know, one natural food store here, one mass store there, and then see how it goes. How are you formulating it to make sure that you're really getting the right types of inputs to know what to do next? So I'll answer this in two parts. The first part is how do you know when the product is right? And what I learned at Justin's was, let's say you have honey peanut butter, right? You're like three ingredients, peanuts, honey, and salt, right? How hard can it be to formulate that product? You know, how do you know when you've hit the right formulation with that product? And here's what's crazy about a three-ingredient product. Okay, what type of peanuts do you want to use? Spanish, Virginia, Runner, which most are used with, Valencia, which is mostly found organic. So what variety peanut do you want to use? What roast level do you want? You want a light roast, a medium roast, a dark roast? Do you want the skin off or the skin off? Or skin on or the skin off. There's hearts in the peanuts, which give it a little bit of a bitter taste. You want the hearts in, the hearts out. So So now you have like, Eight decisions to make for just the peanut. Now, you know, what kind of salt do you want to use? Sea salt, regular salt, how much? What's the salt level? Half percent, three-quarter percent, one percent. What type of honey you want to use? You want to use fresh honey, you want to use, you know, spray-dried honey. Do you want to, you know, like what honey percent do you want to use? You know, 10%, 5%, 4%. And so now, like a three-ingredient product has 20 different variety options. And so at some point, what's so fun is you just, and maddening, is you just have to say, enough. I'm not going to take anyone else's, I, I am now an expert in peanut butter, and I'm going to say that this is what it is. And if you don't like it, then I'm sorry, this isn't for you, right? But, and, and I'm going to say that I know what the, what, what the, what the world needs. Now, if, if, if enough people say, hey, I don't like this ingredient, or hey, you know, the world's changed and we shouldn't be using this anymore. You know, you better be able to listen. But at some point you have to just stick your ground and say, okay, this is what I think the world needs. And and what's really interesting is true innovation is developing something that consumers don't know they need yet, right? So a lot of the things that we're doing maybe aren't that innovative because consumers are already asking for them. And then down the road, we're going to get a little more risky, a little more innovative and create things that consumers may not know they actually wanted, right? That's true innovation. And so the first thing we do is we create a, we create a product and we say, okay, we love this product, but maybe we'll take it to Whole Foods or Kroger or Sprouts or natural grocers and get their feedback and make sure that, you know, because a lot of times what happens, Kyle, is if you go to a, a, a customer and you get their feedback and you bring them in along the process, they buy in and then hopefully when you finish that kind of gives you a good feeling that they're probably going to take the product in because you might create something and no one might want it. That's like the biggest fear. And so what where we're lucky is Rudy's is a, is a really known name in the natural food industry. And, and by me joining, I give it 
an extra layer of credibility that whatever we create is probably going to be pretty darn good. So a lot of the buyers, sight unseen, are being like, we'll take it. I don't even need to try it. I know it's going to be good. We'll take it. And when you're a startup and you're first starting, you might go to a customer and say, hey, what do you think about about this? Oh, I think it's too salty. Oh, okay. I'm going to bring down the salt. Here you go. What do you think now? Oh, I think it's pretty good now. Okay. Will you bring it in? Yeah, I guess I will. I, I helped you formulate it. So sure, I'll bring, you know, and so it just depends where you are in your life cycle and the type of business you run. So back to the beginning, you know, we're going to launch this thing. Hopefully whoever will take it. The way it usually works is, you know, every grocery retailer has their review cycle. And so if we say, hey, we're ready in January and a customer says, well, we don't review frozen until, you know, November, well, then I guess we have to wait till November for them to review it. Whereas someone else is like, great, January, we can review it. You know, it just, it just depends on the ebb and flow of how that category and that world works. Do you have a target or conversely, do you have a maximum for how many new products you're going to launch so that you don't get too overextended or, you know, test out? How, how are you thinking about that? Because I feel like if you're trying to expand the brand, you do have the risk of just sort of doing a lot of different things and not focusing on a few good things. What a great question. So here's the juxtaposition, right? So if you think you're working on a new product, I guarantee you there's at least three to 10 other companies working on that same product. So we might have an innovation pipeline that's really long and rich, but the longer we wait to release new products, the higher the risk is that someone else is going to beat us to market with those products. Now, conversely, if we launch all these products at once, you nailed it. You can't do them all the justice they deserve. And so now you're just going to dilute your message versus incrementally build your message, which is, hey, we're a new organization with new products that are amazing and you've got to try them, you know, as we grow. So it's it's a mix, you know, it's some of it depends on your manufacturing partners, on who's ready to scale with you. Some of them depends upon your consumers. Some might be a customer, some might, you know, a, a great customer like a, a Whole Foods or a Walmart or Target might come to you and say, hey, if you can make this, we'd really love it. And you're like, well, isn't that interesting? We were, we we're going to, let's accelerate the timeline on that. And so it all just depends on, you know, how the market kind of progresses. But you don't want to miss a window, but you certainly can't do everything at once. You've really nailed it. Yeah. So we're just about running out of time. What? I have a million more questions I want to ask you. I know it's been quick. Okay. No, this, this is part one of a, of a 30 part series. All right, let's do it. Um, but I guess you you mentioned a lot of things that you're working on. Like I I I imagine you I'm sure you will do them, but it seems like a lot of different products that you're working on. What are what are your big goals for the next 12 months? Like are you going to get the Texas toast out? Are you going to get the, the 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 Sando out? Are you going to do other products? Is there something else you haven't even mentioned yet that that's really top of mind that we need to talk about? Okay, I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger. Here we go. Oh great. For part 2. <laughs> So uh, Texas Toast we was a concept in March. It was literally like a rendering on a piece of paper that we showed customers at Expo West um, in Anaheim. And we are launching Texas Toast in all of the Whole Foods this October. So it's, it's, it's hitting stores now. That went from an idea to us 
making it in-house and getting everything printed and packaged and, and in-store this October right now, which is unheard of, that kind of innovation timeline cycle. The breakfast sandwich was a concept in March. That is now rolling out in um, December, January into select stores. Sprouts that's rolling out into. The, the sando, we've been calling the peanut butter jelly and the, the peanut-free butter and jelly, that was a concept in April, and that is going to be available in January as well, uh, production in December. So all of these things are happening simultaneously at the speed of light. Like, again, we're moving so fast. It's like a 50-year-old startup. And then in um, at Expo West in Anaheim this coming March 24, is that 24? Yeah, 24, we're going to launch a, um, a new item that's going to reimagine and reinvigorate a... Um, a sleepy category that's going to be okay. um, really interesting, really fun. It's going to take consumers a new kind of like mind shift, a new type of like to look at a category in a new way, which is truly innovative. And and that's going to be super fun because there's going to be a lot of people going, going, whoa, I never thought about that. And that's – so all of these things are building up to something that will take a a consumer on a journey, on an adventure with us, which we're really excited about. Well, I'm excited to learn about that. And hopefully, I'm knock on wood, uh, Modern Retail will be at Expo West this coming year. So hopefully, we'll be able to see you there. Uh, Let's do an interview there. That'd be fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Justin. This was a really great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. 